You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 238, brought to you by InStock Trades and iFanboy listeners like you. I was a teenage anarchist, looking for revolution. I had the style, I had the ambition, read all the offers, I knew the Russogans. There was a war, but the class war, I was ready to set the world on fire. I was a teenage anarchist, looking for revolution. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick the Week podcast, episode number 238. Yeah, that's right. I'm back. I'm Ron Richards, and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. I'm scared, Josh. And Josh Flanagan. It's good to have you back, Ron. Thanks. <laughs> there could be some changes around here at iFanboy.com. It's a what website all say, about boss? comics. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't hold it. I'm sorry. It's a website all about comics, and we read comics, and every week we read a bunch of comics, and then one of us picks the book that we deem was the pick of the week, and we come back here to discuss that comic, as well as other comics and anything else of note. Uh, we want to warn you that we're going to do, uh, we're going to be talking about what happens in the book, so we're going we're gonna to talk about the, what, what the spoilers, you know, the, the spoiling things. So uh, if you haven't read your books, be careful. You might want to press pause and come back. I'm going to go in and out of that accent. You won't ever know when it's coming. Is it because you spent time out of the country? You're getting back to your roots? It is, yeah, actually. yeah. Well, I stopped at home in Long Island, and it kind of kicked back in, and you know know how that goes. Um, It's good to be back, though. Wow. Whew. Um, I still haven't listened to last week's show yet, though, because I didn't read my books from last weekend. Because I got screwed at the store this Wednesday. The, the, The vacation double week? Oh, that's awful. Yeah, that's Connor bad. knows exactly what you're talking yeah. about. I had like a ninety dollar week when I came back. Uh, one hundred eleven. Yes. So, yeah. Miserable. Good work. You miserable. You motherfucker. Anyway, um, <laughs> so this week, luckily, I didn't have the pick of the week because I was getting back into the groove after my vacation. But Connor did. My pick of the week was a shocking pick. It was Captain America number six hundred six. Shocking, probably because. We've, we've all three of us have been pretty much down on this book for a while. This was the issue. I said this issue better be good or I'm dropping it. And this this was historically one of our favorites. And it was my top five, and it was Josh's top five. I mean, for years, this has been one of our favorite books. But then, I I really do feel like it's been an aimless struggle ever since they put Bucky into the suit. It's like they almost didn't have a story after that. The story was yeah. to get him to the suit, and then ever since he's been in the suit, there's been no real theme to the story. It was just this sort of endless characterization with no story. Mm-hmm. You know, there was just stuff happening to him, which was kind of good character building, but. There was nothing uh, intriguing by way of the plot. You never really had an idea of why they did it. Why was mm-hmm. he in the suit? Why are we doing this? You know, the, the obvious parallel is the Batman situation. And there, there's been an exploration, at least, into why. Whereas here, there really hasn't been a why. There's been, and there hasn't, been a, there hasn't been a story to really focus on that. And not, not that this issue did that, but what this issue did, I thought, really well was recapture the feeling from those old issues. And it's almost hard to explain. It was just, it felt different. It felt newer. I think the art change really helped. The- Hugely. Yeah. For, for, for me, it was, it's, it almost bought, like, I'm, I'm not as clued into the whole Bucky why and the stuff you're talking to, but it's been the art. That's been the, that's been the hardest thing for me. Yeah. Butch, Butch, what guys are geese is the, he's, he's, he, he inks most of the time, but he also pencils sometimes. He penciled that Ultimate Origins many a while back. And I, he's a pro. He's been in the, dick, in the industry for years, and he does the pencils here. And it's just, it's a little cleaner. He does, he does a great job of storytelling. This, pro- this actually it felt a lot like, when I was looking at the art, like it felt like, like 70s Marvel. 
It was like, mm. like it has uh, that seventies feel. It definitely Kirby, does. Kirby, Kirby, yeah. John Burst, yeah, Steranko, like, big but, time Steranko, yeah, yeah. I really, like, I really, I saw that right away as I was reading, and it, it, it was like, I was like, ooh, this makes yeah. me happy. Yeah, and then I think one of the things we've had a big problem with ever since Epting left was the fill-ins have. They, I think they've tried to ape his style, and it's come off really stiff. And we're here, you know, he's not trying to copy anybody; he's drawing the way he draws, and it works out really well. Also, Dean White's the colorist. I don't know how long he's been coloring, but. The fact that it's not Frank Darmada's color scheme, which we've had for, you know, however many years, we can't tell because they renumbered it. Dean, Dean yeah. White's no slouch, though. No, what I'm saying is yeah. good. It's, yeah. it, it leads to a break of of style. It looks like a different book. Yeah, I, I, really thought, I thought the same thing that that you wrote because uh, the Darmada colors worked really well with the Epping stuff at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why that worked and that they didn't when Luke Ross's was sort of the low point of it. And Luke Ross is, is not bad. He's been good on stuff, but it wasn't working in this. But in this, it was just the palette was just upped a little bit. They took out that sort of overlay of gray and everything. Yeah. Uh, and it really There's made big, it come alive. There's big, bright, bright panels in here. And it really helped yeah. to keep sort of differentiate. Um, and I, th- I liked the classicness of the story. It felt old school, like Josh said. They're bearing, Baron Zemo Jr. is back, and he's the yeah. son of the original Baron Zemo. And He's the one who shot the rocket off that cap, and Bucky tried to stop that blew up cap and sent him into the Arctic and supposedly killed Bucky. And so now you've got sort of not Bucky's arch nemesis, but someone tied into his history, even if it's not the original guy, it's his son. And now he finds out that, oh, this is Bucky in a suit, and I have to kill him. And he starts enacting his plan. It just, it just seemed very simple and straightforward, and not, not in a bad way. And I just, and sort of, and I, I didn't want to call it getting back to basics because it's such an overused comic book discussion cliche but it kind of felt like that look at look at the scenes from the bar the brooklyn bridge bar and it's like they're all dressed like they're in the 70s too yeah <laughs> everything is from the set is a woman with a large afro yeah and that's kind of great i like how i like how this is the most guido that bucky has ever been <laughs> look at him I also he like a weird stripe on a shirt it's, yeah it's like, so a, it's, like al- a, it's like a bowling shirt it's like it's, hey. a, it's like a Paulini shirt it is. Yeah, it's yeah. like that's like uh, it's Tony Soprano's whimsical shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and does does I, I, Black Widow always keep a supply of roses for when well, she leaves? Okay, well, well, here's here's the she thing. She leaves a lot. Though. Well, here's the thing about that is that what I found interesting last time we saw Bucky was living in Steve's Brooklyn, you know, Inviso apartment, and that got blown up in in uh, at the end of Dark Rain. And now he's in this new beautiful apartment with this with a workout room and the the, the supply of roses. What? When did that? I want the the annual of Bucky finding real estate. I think <laughs> they built it in Brooklyn, in the same place. You think it's in the same place? I think it's the same. But oh, that's place. a Victorian window in the bedroom. Also, by the way, I'm gonna tell you the difference between a superhero and me. <laughs> so I wake up. I wake up in the middle of the night, and I, the beautiful Russian spy that I've been sleeping with is gone. Mm. And I I've never thought no point in going back to sleep. <laughs> I to break out the new workout room. No, I'm, I might make bacon. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to go into the new workout. You know what? Room. I thought I thought the page of Bucky's the, many differences. the page of Bucky's dream was was really nice. That was re- that was very Steranko, very seven like yes. seventy. This, like, this is a total seventies really feel to it. Yeah. I think what this comic did also really well was it told you everything you need to know about the characters in this within the context of the story. So if you're jumping on now, you can do it with this issue. This is a good jumping if you've on left, point. If yeah. you left the book, uh, you can come back here. It tells you about Bucky and, and Natasha. It tells you about Falcon. It tells you about Cap. It tells you about Baron Zima. But none of it ever feels like anybody's speaking to you, the reader. It all happens really organically in the story. Yeah. And I thought that was really it – was, it was very elegant. It was very well done. It just felt like Captain America from three years ago. 
you know what this had? What? Steve Rogers. Yes. And yeah, that, even, if Steve Rogers, even if Steve Rogers isn't Captain America in this, uh, you know, that right Baker's writing him. It, it, right, that, but like having the, the relationship between Steve and Bucky, I think, is what made the book so special for so long. Yeah. Maybe. Might be a thing. Also, Baron Zemo wears a mask over his mask. Baron that Z- was my favorite moment of the week. <laughs> I couldn't forget how to put that into the best week panels without. Didn't really, he needed multiple panels to explain it, but Baron Zemo comes into this, into the criminal and insane ward, addressed, you know, like a man, and he pulls off the man mask to his Baron Zemo mask with the little helmet parts, not just the mask. Yeah. I love that. Ba- I, I love Baron Zemo. I don't know what it is about him, but there's some, it's, a, it's the, I don't, it's, I don't know if it's the little halo, the little crown, or the purple mask, or what, but I just, I love Baron Zemo. I'm, and I'm I also telling- love that he went and picked up, you know, henchmen that were having bar fights. I mean, this just felt so right. Yeah. I like that he went to a bar where apparently, like, a World War One German general hangs out, <laughs> and he gets in a fight in a bartender who was wearing actual lederhosen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is the thing is, the thing about this book is, I loved it. I gave it a five stars. First five star, I've given a Captain American forever. I, 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 there's so much goofy about it. It like, yeah. doesn't make sense that we can sit here, like, this is nitpicking, but it's like nitpicking for fun. Like, you loved it, and you're like, that doesn't make sense. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I love it. Well, I wrote that in my review that, that it's weird because Brubaker is so serious in so much of his work. You know, like, criminals, deadly serious. And, and, but he seems to really love that whimsical stuff. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he seeds it into these stories. It's, it's always there. I mean, Arnim Zola is, is wacky. Yeah. Yet he made him a, he made him a focus for, for, for a long time. I think, he just, I think he's got a love for that era. And they put those books. I will. I will nitpick though, not like for fun, but for serious. But I, I don't like how this spoiled a little bit of what's going on in Thunderbolts in that because Baron Zemo's got Fixer with him. Yeah, you know what? I I don't know if it spoiled anything as much as confused me. Like I yeah. was like, I just yes. think that they're they're in danger of running into Norman Osborn territory. Yep. Yep. Uh, if they're going to be telling two stories with the same. Character. character at yeah. the same time and just those divergences make well they were doing at the same time those divergences make it difficult and and i and josh i, I had asked connor this earlier um but did you ha- did you have a printing error on yours it's been bugging the crap out of me i just saw it the title yeah. page where bucky's jumping and it says no escape vertically like the title page it looks like it was supposed to be a two-page spread but i got a honda ad on the other side I don't think it was because there's no other side from it. Yeah, I know it's weird. It's, it's like no. you, you think the other page would be somewhere else in the book. It, just, it was it oddly is, constructed. Yeah, because I was like, Where, where's the rest of Falcon's body? That's weird. I hadn't yeah. noticed that, but I don't think it's an error. I think it's just. I a think just Falcon fault. shouldn't have been in the panel. She yeah. just been capped. Yeah, I agree. I, I, although the the next the next two page spread, yep. the fight. I think that's the highlight of this issue. Yeah, uh, I just think this is a wonderful, wonderful page when you talk about just classic superhero fight storytelling like this is just that that one thing where cap is going around the pole and sort of bends his legs around and that just that reminds me of all my favorite comic books when i was growing up like the things that i loved about comics that just that kind of thing it it felt so good to read this issue you know when i was done with it it it's like it's like a good captain america again i was pissed that now i don't have i can't drop the book i was like (laughs) oh if it's gonna be good crap so (laughs) it's weird there's another page where they drew falcon and he's going across two two panels uh, vertically, and and they just cut him off just above the nose. Yeah, I noticed that too. I was wondering that's, if that was that's yeah. a weird thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, I, I no no one's mentioned this. I actually liked the backup story in this one. I didn't read it. Oh, I didn't read you it. You should. Yeah. It was. Uh, I mean, like like some of the ones before haven't been so good, but it's uh, it's the nomad character, and she's homeless and trying to get by, and th- that part of it was kind of interesting, and she's. Oh. Uh, you know, getting getting uh, picked on at school, blah blah blah. She doesn't uh, go into. 
she doesn't turn tricks. No. Okay. That, that's another interesting difference between here. Like, if I was homeless, I wouldn't still be going to school. <laughs> there. Well, she's she's she wants to do good. Sure. But. Yeah. No. She's a hero. That, that's we're, and there's she, there's a but basically the the story uh, kind of ends up with a with a can you help me put this couch in my van? <laughs> oh no! Can you help me get this. No, go in the back. Ted Bundy? (laughs) I was. I thought it was a really nice backup story. I think sometimes when Sean McKeever hits, he does a really good job, and and he's had enough time to play with this that he knows what's going on. Now, the book that everyone probably thought was going to be pick of the week was Batman number seven hundred. I was positive we're going to pick this. It was the the by far community pick of the week, and this is the seven hundred of the issue. Grant Morrison returns to the title with artists Tony Daniel, David Finch, Andy Kubert, and Frank Wiley, and Scott Collins, and. The, the, the whole thing with the issue is, is Batman through the years fighting the same criminal or, if, or with, involved in the same case unbeknownst to each other. Um, basically, the, basically a way of showing the timelessness of Batman by having them all deal with the same problem throughout the years. And I liked the idea more than the execution. Thank you for saying that because I mean, like I, re- I was like, "What the fuck was this?" That's I was my I thought. So I tried to read it, and I found myself wanting to go back to Good Night Moon. Good night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, like to like to be fair, like I, I I got to the pages by Frank quietly, sort of, and it's, it's like one of those quietly uh, and and uh, who's the other? Um, what's his name? Scott, Scott Collins. Collins. Yeah, but they somebody, don't really do drawing it. on an iPad, which makes which sounds. For, I mean, it didn't look like Scott Collins at all. Yeah. No. Uh. And, and I mean, I, I saw those pages. I was like, oh god, I love Frank quietly Batman. Yes. Like they're just. Mild, even actually the Tony Daniel stuff looked pretty good, but a completely different way. Yep. Um, and he didn't write it, so that's better. Uh, but so the quiet pages were gorgeous. Yeah, the quiet yeah. pages were great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently people out there still really like David Finch. No, his pages weren't that bad in this. I liked I liked all the art in this except for the Collins stuff. Um, I just felt like as on the whole, it didn't. I understand what they were trying to do, and I, I applaud the idea, and it makes sense. And I like the. Uh, I like the underlying themes of this, you know, the fact that Batman never dies. You know, yeah. there'll always be a Batman, and 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 I like the idea of tying it all together with one one villain. But at the end of the day, it didn't it didn't really work. I, I thought. I from a, think from an execution standpoint, it was too disjointed. Thing, it was too disjointed for me. And that's this is a perfect example of Morrison. Uh, and when people don't like him, and the, some of the things because Morrison does everything he does isn't fantastic. And sometimes what he does is he thinks of a really good story and a really good concept, which I think everybody can agree that this is. But he leaves too many holes in between. Like he doesn't explain quite enough. So you've got to work a little harder for it, I think. And like, so the story's laid out in his head, but he's skipping over and showing you parts of it. And I think that the, like, it just took too long at the beginning to figure out what the fuck was happening, I think. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. But there were excellent parts of it. I thought the quietly part was, was, was yeah. fantastic um, in the dialogue. He really he nails that Dick Damien dynamic. It, yeah, no, that, and that was the best part. But that was just because, like, man. I really love those three issues of Batman and Robin. <laughs> like that's all it really made me think of. <laughs> and I and like afterwards, I was like, "Hey, those are the mutants." Yes, and I thought that yes. was kind of kind of cool. Yeah. But there was there, was there was nods to a lot, you know, to yeah. tons of eras, and that, that's oh, what yeah. you're supposed to do in a book like this. You're supposed to comics, you're supposed to be happy about Alliance that. Did a whole breakdown of it. It was like a shitload of stuff. Yeah, there's tons like, of stuff in here, uh, and I like the idea that. He, the Batman Beyond is in here too, and it, I guess they're sort of weaving that into the Batman continuity. And in the cartoon, Batman is Bruce Wayne is his Oracle type of person, and this one looks like they're making it to be Damien because that makes more sense from a timeline perspective. So yeah, I, I like that. I thought that. Yeah, I thought that was neat. I went, ooh, I got excited about that. So um, it, was, it was good. I mean, I gave it three stars. It was, 
I, I, it was okay. It was it was part, fun in parts, but overall, I thought it didn't really um, meet meet its expectations. Yeah, yeah but Connor, uh, people out there think that you love everything that that Grant Morrison and Batman does un, unabashedly, without no. without being able to judge it and judge and it individually. Oh. Talk, speaking of judging individually, I thought Shield Two was a big step down from Shield One. Interesting. We call, we call that Hickmaning. <laughs> I, I did thought, not enjoy this nearly as much as I did the first issue. I, I, I thought for a Hickman book, I thought it went really quickly. You know, really? The, yeah, like like I felt as if the the first one felt more denser, felt more like I was like I was like, oh, this feels a bit more slower. I don't know, not slow, but because I said it went quickly, but but less dense. Um, I thought that that actually hurt the book. I felt yeah. like it went by. There was too much going on that wasn't being explained. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, who knows what the hell's going on? Oh, I totally I agree with you. Yeah. 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 I don't want this book to be a success because it's difficult to type. Yeah. With the periods. <laughs> I don't want to have to do that a lot. <laughs> Are you still reading this, Josh? No, I didn't buy it. Okay. I didn't really like the first one. You didn't much. like the first one, that's why I'm surprised. No. Yeah. Um it looked gorgeous. I like I still love the art. It's fantastic. Some of these double page spreads, the one with the uh floating ship with, with um Da Vinci over yeah. the city was just gorgeous, but and that's, I, I don't and I, feel like I know what's going on. I don't feel like I know who any of the characters are other than their names. That's Howard Stark, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. They would know because they don't really tell you. Howard Stark and then Reed's father, but yeah. I, I just, feel like there's a lot of problems in this issue. I just recognized it from the, uh, from the mustache. But um, <laughs> uh, interesting that it looks like they're using this to build up the Howard Stark character. Hmm, especially after seeing the Iron Man that. movie. Ah, wait a minute. I mean, I'm still interested in the story. I, th- I think the concept's fantastic. I love the idea of these, these, all these famous scientists and artists and, yeah. and all. But I was, I, when I put finish it, I was like, oh, I don't, I didn't feel connected to this at all. Yeah, I could see that. I, I could see that. And we, and we got. I was, I honestly, I was surprised to see the Hickman uh, dialogue page. I didn't think he would go that far in a Marvel book. Um, yeah, he hasn't. He's not in a Marvel book yet. Has yeah, he? No, like, I think unless, unless he's been doing it in the, in the other book, Secret Warriors, which I dropped in the middle, but. That's a staple of his indie books. Yeah, I stopped reading that as well. But um, I guess the, the closest thing to that that I could remember is the Fantastic Four. You know, the Dragnet page recaps. Yep. You know, but um, but no, very. I mean, but I thought that page worked. I thought. I mean, I got that. I got that whole. You know, like I'm glad that 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 wasn't. You know, well, I like draw, the dialogue yeah. pages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it would be hard to do in a regular page. It'd be yeah. a lot of dialogue. But yeah. um, I don't know. I just it was disappointing. And I, this is. I feel like this is going to be a running theme, and I didn't mean it to be. And I apologize, but. I felt the same way about Hack Slash, my first Maniac number one, which is my first experience with Hack Slash. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a book people are always talking to us about trying. And the only the, when we interviewed Tim Seeley in one of the, one of those conventions we went to this year, uh, Seattle. Uh, yes, he actually made it sound really cool, interesting. When we, that was the first time I really was interested in reading it, so I picked this up. And this felt more like an entry in a textbook about this book than it felt like a story. You yeah, know what I mean? well, I think, I think the, the new publisher, the you know, possibility for a new audience, we've got to bring everybody up to speed. I mean, because there, there are three omnibuses worth of worth Oh, of stories, I, and I completely know? understand why he did it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it totally catches you, catches you up on what's been going on, but at the same time, I, you know, I kind of wanted a story. Right. There, I, there was a, lot, there was a lot of text, I thought. Yeah. I, I didn't I, I know what you're saying and at first I was thinking that but eventually like a few pages in I kind of forgot about it because I was interested in it for whatever reason don't get me I wrong I, I want to pick I'm gonna get the second issue I want to see where this goes yeah. I think this is a, a first issue necessity yeah. I'm just gonna be looking yeah. forward to getting out of the way and getting to a narrative that's what I'm saying it was I, yeah no I, I well what he said um, was that this was gonna tell the story of her first sort of adventure I guess not adventure but it, it's a story that hasn't actually told before 
Mm-hmm. But I guess in this first one is this first one. It's totally a catch-up issue. It's like that invincible issue. But yeah. I've never read it before, so it didn't bother me. Yeah, I guess I got the um the Jenny Frizon cover. Oh, you did? It's gorgeous. Yeah, I, did. I wanted it's, to get that one. Yeah, it is one well, hell of a cover. Well, and to be honest, what really kind of bummed me out is that because I know that Hack Slash is, is you know he's kind of Tim Seeley's kind of baby and everything like that, and and I know that he's you know he's doing a lot of he's drawing he's drawing Wildcats over at Wildstorm, right? Uh-huh. Um, he's, but I was kind of writing it. Is, no, he's not writing it. Beechin's writing it. Um, no, but he he's just writing Hack Slash, and Daniel Lester did the art. I was hoping to get some Tim Seeley art, you know, like he that. does do the art for this. That, I, I didn't know that. For a while. Damn it! Oh well, it's okay. he did the other cover basically. <laughs> yeah, the cover. No, that's but the cover I got. The artist, I it was good. No, this doesn't. He didn't get paid for this. Yeah. You got to go draw the other books. So we can write this one. Yeah. Come on, you know how it works. Yeah, and the the uh, they get a little nitpicky, but the shower scenes with the bruises, those look like they look like leeches. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little weird. I don't know what it's like to get beaten to shit by your undead mother. Yeah, sure. Oh, dude, the the, the smiley face guy in the in the cornstalk, creepy. Yeah, no, it was. I I like the concept a lot. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. I might even pick up an omnibus, but I just as an issue, I wasn't really thrilled by it. Yeah. And I don't know if if the story's been told before about her leaving the family like that, but that was some fucked up shit. Yeah. Like yeah, the last few pages, I thought were the strongest out of the that whole actually, thing. That was actually, I actually enjoyed that the most, and that was really kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, that's the, uh, it's awful. Like, you're just, ugh, the, God, the first and last page, diary pages by the by Mark Englert's, Englert's daughter, I guess, awesome. The little crayon yeah. drawings that was that's that's a great touch. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like you could I could tell that there's a lot behind this, and I'm curious because I've never I've never read Hexlash either. So like I'm gonna stick with it as well, um, just because I've heard such good things about it, and and I probably will pick up the omnibuses to catch up just to get the whole kind of experience. Yeah, but um, I think it's, image, is re- image is putting it back out next week, I think, or is yeah, it out already? Yeah, it's coming out. Uh, I forget. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I think it's pretty cool that I mean. Regardless of of whatever this issue was, like it's a book that's been around for a while, and, and you, it's a book that you kind of like in your heart of hearts. You're like, I want this to succeed for whatever exactly. reason, and he's getting this giant bump from being at Image, and like that just makes me feel good. Yeah, yeah. you know, like it, that should be that way. Damn it. Yeah, and if you if, so, if you like horror or you know those those sort of things, you should definitely check out Hackslash if you haven't, because it's it's. Whoa, what are you, Paul? I'm sorry. You don't get that joke because you didn't listen to last week's no, show. No, I haven't listened to the show yet. Why? What happened? You have to find out. All right, now, Ron, we've you've been you've been gone for so long, we haven't had an X Men report in a while. Well, no, but here's the here's the deal. And I'm going to break a rule. I know I wasn't here last week, and I know I can't really talk about books that came out when I, you know when you're not here. But I've got to mention the fact that so I go to the store and I get my stack of 111 dollars worth of two weeks of comics, and in there is Giant Size X Men Forever, which shipped last week, and then X Men Forever Two issue number one, which shipped this week. Mm. Okay. Now, I don't know why they went back to a number one other than just to do a number I, I one do. issue. <laughs> do you? Sales. <laughs> Sales. <laughs> but they have, a, they have a contract where they have to pay Chris Claremont at least $10,000 every week. And so they just like, do another number one because it's the only way they can make it. He's got a hold over them. Um, Giant Size X-Men Forever that came out last week. Real quick, uh, art by Mike Grell. Interesting okay. choice. Interesting choice. Really good. I, like two, three pages in, I was like, who did this? I'm like, holy shit, it's Mike Grell. He's you great. He got the script and was like, what the fuck is this I know, exactly. <laughs> it was just like, what? And I never thought I'd ever Did everybody seen... have goatees? No, no. But I, everybody was really, it was a lot skinnier, though. But um, mm. I never thought that I'd ever see Mike Grell doing the X-Men. So that was kind of cool. So, I kind of want to um, see that. Yeah, I'll, I'll show it to you. But uh, X-Men Forever 2, number one this week. So the, the launching of the new volume... Um, where nothing seems to have changed, <laughs> but, um, but now, uh, but this issue was highlighted because uh, it's basically X Men versus the Avengers, uh, which which is a, which is kind of fun. It's the Avengers of the old continuity. So you've got uh, White 
vision, you know, like the Oh nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh Thor with the Thor with the beard. And yeah. Doctor Druid there? No Doctor Druid. Um and it's just crazy. It's just still crazy. Still crazy after all these issues. Gilgamesh, any chance? (laughs) No Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh? You got Scarlet. Black Knight. Black Knight. But um, Black Knight. Uh uh Spider uh Redhead Spider Woman. Oh right, in the black suit. Yeah, in the black black suit. suit. Yep, yeah, Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and, and, and it's do funny. any of do any of them have slightly different names? <laughs> no, no. Like, like the vision, like like Wonder Man's no longer Simon. He's like Sigmund. <laughs> Steve. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, did any of them die? Uh, nobody died. Although in the and X in Giant Size X Men Forever, Xavier uh, had to go to the Shi'ar because I don't want to get into it. But so Xavier <laughs> kind of died. But um. But it was great. It was just fun to see Claremont writing the writing the Avengers. That was fun too. So uh, I don't know. This book's crazy. It can't be because of all the Avengers buzz, can it? No, no. I think it's just a coincidence. That's, that's so. too cynical, right? I mean, yeah, it's way too cynical. Cynical. Anyway, so X Men Forever, uh, Volume Two, Number One. I don't know why, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> it's because you want to be able to get the X Men Forever One trade all out there, so that you can go order that. And if you were to order that. You would go to in-stock trades with up to 37% off the cover price, which is a damn good deal if you're looking at the prices on the actual cover. And free shipping of orders over $50 with over 9,000 trade paperbacks in stock and available for your ordering pleasure. And they list new releases every single Wednesday. If you order, it will probably ship within 48 hours, and that means it won't be that long before it's in your sweaty little hands and you're wondering, why do these characters have different names? Why aren't you called Remy anymore? I don't know. (laughs) He's, uh, no, he's called Remy. It's why isn't he called LeBeau anymore? Why is oh, he I forget what it was. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> he likes Star Trek. He just forgot. Uh, it's like they got, they got Peter Parker's name all wrong a lot in the beginning of Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, you go to www.instocktrades.com and you can check up on both of those things that I said and see if they're true. Uh, and I want to thank them for sponsoring the show. Cool. So, um, so Hackslash was a good jumping on point for you know for that series uh, from Image, but uh, it looks like Chew Number Eleven from Image was also a good jumping on point. Was it? Yeah, I don't know. I, I th- I th- this definitely was a good jumping. On. I, I feel as if it's it's the beginning of a new arc. They kind of reintroduced, you know, they kind of explained what who Tony was and what the whole deal was, and uh, and I had a lot of fun with this issue. I thought this was a great issue. I think this is my pick of the week. It's between this one and Captain America. I gave them both five stars. Uh, I just had fun reading this. It was just. Uh, I don't know. I guess I feel like I haven't read this in a little while, but well, it was nice that they were doing a different thing. He wasn't in some island. They were just yeah. Like, I'll be, I'll be honest. I didn't. I didn't like the last arc. I'll be honest with you. I didn't love it. I, I yeah. liked it, but I didn't love it. The the yeah. the tropical island and although I, I did like that. I did like sure. the I did like the little twist with the vampire Chibopath, which I thought that's a good idea. But um, but this this felt like that first arc again for some reason. Yeah, and I just I felt so proud of Tony at the end of this. Because he got laid. The last page was just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was great. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's a it wonderful was a, page. Yeah. It was laugh out loud funny at least three or four points. I mean, this was uh-huh. this was one of, this was one of the better issues in a while. I think it was because that last arc wasn't pro- quite as good, but this had a couple of great moments in it. Yeah, good stuff. Said, Don't you disturb a single hair in her head, or or what? Blam blam. <laughs> oh. yeah. There you go. Go. He tells everybody else, and they do. <laughs> it was, it was just a fun issue. This was what's great about you, right here. And eleven issues later, they can still do it. Yep. Yeah. Now, Josh, um, G.I. Joe Corbett number five, which is the first issue in the new ongoing portion yes. of the... If you'll remember, they abandoned the other story, which will come back later at some point with Antonio Fuso back on art. Chuckles, yes. Uh, and, and this is about the Scientologists. Or Serpentor. I, yeah, or Serpentor, or somehow how they're connected. Sir, I don't Serpentor know how I feel about this. It did have the same feeling of... 
this doesn't feel like a G.I. Joe book on the one mm-hmm. hand. But on the other hand, I don't know if I felt that same. I'm just not. It hasn't hooked me entirely. I would yet. say this. The art bad. didn't help. I don't think the art was that bad. The art didn't hurt and it didn't help. Yeah, I'll go it with that. It was very much the same style of Fuso. Yeah, uh, I think but the it, was, color it was not as good. I think one of the problems with this is that the first three or four pages, maybe more, was just a guy talking at a desk, and it was a lot of talking. Yeah. And so instead of the showing and not telling, they told and told and told. Uh, and, and I just don't know if it's unique enough to do a story where the coil is, is as basically the Scientologist. That's, that's what this is. Um, Mr. Pentor is the head of basically the Scientologists. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it could still, it's still, I'm still, I'm still very interested to see how they're going to try to tie this in and make it work. Because Serpentor is ridiculous. This I command. <laughs> well, didn't the very first dialogue balloon was Corbel? La, 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 la. I went, no. no I, was right. I forgot about that. that, was, and that was, that's exactly the thing that I was thinking. I was like, if you can make that work, wow. Yeah, that was because the very first piece of dialogue, went, and I just went, no. They went all out, basically. I mean, that's like opening it with, like, Raptor, which is a <laughs> dumb character. Cobra, la, 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 I was watching Low point of my 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 life. Buffoon. <laughs> Buffoon. Oh God. Nice. Uh, nice. Uh, I am not a goon reader. A lot of people are. A lot of people are big fans of the goon. But I decided Laura to read. Goon. By oh, I read Buzzard Number One, which is sort of I guess an offshoot of Goon. It's from Eric Powell. It's in the Gooniverse. I don't know if that's a real thing, but it should be. Uh. And it's funny because it's very different from regular comic books. It's lettered differently. It's got these big panels, but it's really a beautiful book. And I'm not sure what it was about, but I enjoyed it. That may be as much as I'm able to explain right now. The Can you tell us anything about it? There's this guy, and he's the buzzard, and, and he's just a crabby old mean man. And, and he rides into, like, he gets, like, this skeletonized horse, and he rides into a town, and somebody tries to give him shit, and so he cuts their heads off. And people are like, oh, my God, you killed them. They were demons, and you're death. And I, I'm not sure, but I liked the tone. I thought it was right. fun. And then the backup story was, remember, um, there was that uh, 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 weird Western tales kind of with um, Billy the Kid. Billy yeah, the Kid's, Billy Kid's all-time yeah. oddities. We're getting more. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we're getting more. It's backup story of that, so yeah. that was fun. Yeah. Well, so it was good. It was good. If you've been curious about the goon, this might be something fun to, to yeah, try. It, Pal takes these little diversions, mm-hmm. which I think is a, especially with a with some with a creator who is so identified with a creator on property like the goon, and then he in you know like he takes these little diversions of like the Billy the Kid thing or this or he, the Satan sodomy baby, like these just crazy ideas that he has, and he takes a couple of months and works on them. And I think that's that's a good way to. I think that's how he keeps himself fresh for the goon. You know, it's it's got one of those things where. I think like when you read Hellboy for the first time, you can't really tell what's so great about it, but there's something about it that's different that has its own – like the art has this – his art is really good, but it's hard to explain why necessarily. And a tone has a tone that's completely unique, much in the same way that Hellboy is. And I think yeah. that once you get to recognize those things, you could easily get into it. So Cool. So um, Uncanny X-Men number 525 is the 10th chapter and the uh, the first chapter of Act 3 of Second Coming, which I'm going to go on oh. record. What? Uh, which <laughs> I'm going to Numbers, which I'm going to go on record and say is the best thing that Marvel is doing right now. The Second Coming car- storyline, admittedly, 
if you're if you're an X-Men fan. If you're not an X-Men fan, you don't really care, but I read a lot of Marvel books and this was the first thing I read this week and it delivered so much so on like on every angle. Like uh, Dodson this probably is the best X-Men Dodson art that I've seen since he started doing the X-Men. Um, don't get cheap on me now, Dodson. We got Dodson. Um, Connor, you might remember. You, you might remember in Chicago at C two E two, I actually stopped at his table and I looked at pages and I was ready to buy. Like I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy an X Men page, and yeah. I didn't find anything I liked. There were like three or four pages in here that I'm like, I'm like, I want to contact him to be like, Can, how much but is I, that page? I thought also you couldn't take out a mortgage in time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were pretty expensive, but um, but the, the art in this was just spectacular and fraction nailed is just n- nailed his portion of this you know whether you know so the, fan- the fantastic four and the avengers have shown up and they're working with the x club to try to figure out what the dome that's uh, around san francisco now is and while cyclops is cyclops and emma are, are pulling together their troops to keep everyone alive and the battle has begun and meanwhile the x force and cable have gone into the future and you know the x men have introduced a lot of alternate futures and things like that and it could be said they're going to the well, but I think it was a wise choice to have them show up in the future and you get a two-page spread of all the headshots and the word slain over it and the suggestion that they're in the days of future past future because um, we, we haven't been there in years. Like I don't think they've revisited this area in, in, in ages. Um, and so as soon as I got turned to that two-double-page spread, I just went, oh, damn. Um, I love when they get into the time travel stuff, um, and I just have no idea how this is going to end. I'm, I can't wait for the next issue. So they're, they're doing an X-Men crossover right, like I've said every time. Every issue has come out, but this one has been the one where I was like, yeah, this is fun. So we're going to have to really see. Uh, it's chapter 10. How, about tw- how many is it going to go? Uh, 13. Okay. Uh, sorry, 14. 14. All right. So. It's really going to be about how it ends. I'm sorry. You know, it's going to really be about how it ends. Oh yeah, totally. I've no, and, and especially considering that we know that this vampire stuff is coming, and I know that people are surviving, and like that's what sucks about the solicitations is that like, but I we I have no insight as to the whole um, Messiah uh, Hope girl how that's going to end. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Um, and she had a little flare up of anger in the beginning of the issue, and her eyes went red like Cyclopses. So. Uh-oh. Interesting. But Uh-oh. despite my love for Uncanny X-Men number 525, my pick of the week probably was Cowboy Ninja Viking number six. Um, Those are three words that have nothing to do with one another. Because I love this book. This book is so much fun. Um, it's a trade out. I'm going to get it. Yeah, the trade is out. And I didn't know how they were going to – because it was originally supposed to be a miniseries. And then because it was such a success that it's now a, a – a, um, an extended series and another issue that you could pick if you're curious about it you can jump on with this issue because it's the beginning of a new arc and I didn't know whether they were going to be able to expend, extend the, the concept into a, much like Chew into another arc and halfway through the first ish, this issue I was like oh yeah they, they, it's going to keep going and it's fun like it's just wacky fun it's got a little violence it's got a little espionage intrigue and it's got the whole you know kind of mental idea of these characters with three personalities and it just cracks me up the the little subtle use of the word balloons with to identify the the personalities just is just genius and it just works so well and every time they introduce a new character with new personalities like this one there's a a mafia guy who who was fairly prominent which is funny um so yeah so i just love it it was great so I decided, for some reason, I can't entirely tell you to read Murder of James Patterson's Murder of King Tut number one from IDW. I think it's IDW, um, and and what this is an adaptation of of a James Patterson book. I assume James Patterson is the Burger King of novelists. I suppose he I'm not really a lot sure. Of books. Yes, he does. I don't know if he's good or bad or whatever. It doesn't matter. Don't matter. Uh, he what, sells a lot of books. <laughs> 
<laughs> There's a lot of books, man. He moves units. <laughs> it's all about moving units. You should know this. Anyways, this is sort of a parallel story of the ascension of King Tut told in his time. Uh, and the uh, at the same time, the story of the guy who uncovered – I forget his name. The guy who uncovered Tut's uh, tomb in the early 1900s. Um, I found it really interesting. I, I you know, Egypt, uh, his historical period is pretty interesting, and it was, uh, it was fun. It wasn't the greatest art in the world. Half of it was done by Christopher Mitten, who did uh, Wasteland. It's pretty good. Uh, the other half by somebody else. I forget. Uh, I had fun reading it though. I was like, oh, pretty interesting. So it's a good little. Wait, picture. you didn't know the name of the guy who found the tomb? Howard something. It was Bob something Bob else. the Century? Bob. <laughs> Bought the century. <laughs> oh shit! He found the tomb. Didn't he go? <laughs> Everything is getting retconned. Yeah, he was My there dad. too. Bought the century. He was, he's on the grassy knoll as well. <laughs> wow! Wow! Uh, finally, in a story of of huge brass balls, giant stainless steel balls, yet another person has said to 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 Wildstorm, "Yes, I will write in Alan Moore's stead. That's fine." And and they released Tom Strong and the Robots of Doom number one, written by Peter Hogan, who we can only assume is related to Paul Hogan, Crocodile Dundee, because he would have a big knife and not be afraid of alligators. Um, and this was, uh, I, you know, I never read all of Tom Strong. I realized when I started this. So if there was something that I needed to know, I didn't know it because I've only read that first volume. Uh, they helped to have Chris Browse and Carl Story and Todd Klein on. Uh, art, inks, and letters, which are all the original people who are on it. Um, so it looked exactly like old Tom Strong, which does not help because old Tom Strong looks fantastic. Well, it does not hurt, right? That's what I meant to say if yeah. I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> I, I picked this up purely based off of the Chris Sprouse art that we yeah. saw recently and um, just because I wanted more Chris Sprouse. And yeah. I re- forgot about the, the oversized lettering. And huh? I love it. I love the look uh, of this book. I love no, it's it. It's a beautiful looking yeah. book. And so it, go, it, feel, it immediately feels exactly like the old one. And I will go so far as to say, like, at first I was like, this dialogue is not as good as Alan Moore's. Uh, and for the first few pages, that was the case. Um, especially, like, with, like the, the gorilla. I forget the gorilla's name. But I was like, ah, that's not quite right. And it was a little, little off. But uh, as I got into it, it's a really good story. Like, the concept is really good. It's a time-traveling thing with the Nazis and the sexy Nazi lady and the... The illegitimate son and the she's gonna nonsense. fall in a crevasse. <laughs> and <he's laughs> <in> a <crab>. <laughs> uh, actually, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. It didn't, ha- you know, it's not Alan Moore. It doesn't. The dialogue does not have the panache, and you can you can tell immediately. But uh, it was fun. I, I I have no problem with this. And uh, this is just they're just warming us up for when they redo Watchmen. That's <laughs> all that's happening here. This oh. is just softening the blow. <laughs> Will Watchmen be in the Wildstorm universe? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll, next. Move we'll, move, we'll move units. We'll move units. Oh, inventory. Jesus. So, uh, so those are the books that came out that we found interesting. But uh, if you go to ifanboy.com slash comics, you can see the whole uh, pull list of every uh, the whole list of every books that are coming out. You can add it to your pull list. Come back, rate, and review them uh, after you read them on Wednesday. And a couple of you uh, reviewed some other books. Our first one comes from uh, user Fraggle Uprising. Uh, who reviewed Batgirl number 11 and gave the story a 4 out of 5 and the art a 4 out of 5. And at the time of this recording, 0.43% of you made it your pick of the week. And Fraggle Uprising, I love that username, uh, says, There's a wonderful tone to Batgirl that, that brings me back every week. There's a line this book walks between being dark and funny that it manages to pull off week in and week out. It's this mixture that allows the opening sequence to work and have an emotive impact. There manages to, to be both jokes and genuine character beats with each allowing room for action in each issue. 
Now, I haven't heard about Batgirl in a while. Connor, you were really high on it when the series started. Are you still high on it? Yes. Okay. It's, it's great. Now that Power Girl is, is nominally over, Batgirl's the best heroine in DC right now. Interesting. Um, she's funny. She's relatable. She's, she's, she's got that Spider-Man-esque quality of she's a regular person in a suit trying to make the best of it. Yeah. And uh, you really root for her because she's, she jokes about her. It's not it's not a rip off, but she you know she's 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 she jokes about her you know shortcomings as a hero and and she, she, she it's it's just a very charming character and a very charming book. Um, this team of Brian Q Miller and Lee Garbutt on art is fantastic and one of the best bat books right now. Cool. I I know from Twitter that Lee Garbutt likes Jaws. So he's okay in your book then. Yes, he is. <laughs> Smile, you son of a bitch. <laughs> secure secure. Sakua. Sakua. We're going to go with, go with Sakua. He, he reviewed, or she reviewed Justice League Generation Lost, number three, gave a story a two out of five, and the art a three out of five. And the time of recording, 0.09% of the iFanbase made this their pick of the week. And Sakua says, There's nothing in this issue that packs a punch quite like Booster finding out how the world thinks Ted died in the last issue. The closest we get is Max screwing with B's head at Checkmate, which is effectively an effectively unnerving scene. Overall, though, the whole JLI gets dismissed in a tax cycle that's been relentlessly dominating the series so far. It's getting exhausting fast. The art is dot, 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 fine. There are a few awkward panels, and Daganino still can't draw Max's face for some reason, but overall, it's fine. The Omax looks suitably menacing. The cover is absolutely fantastic. The cover is by um, uh, uh, Tony Harris. Yeah. It's good. I'm trying with this issue, man. I'm trying. I love this. This I'm, book's been fantastic the whole way through. Yeah, I'm trying. It's not grabbing me. It's, it's and, not going to, dude. Yeah. Thing is, I love. Well, the thing is, I love the JLI characters. I mean, I do. Who's, who's is this Giffen? Is he doing? No, it? it's it's Winnick writing and Giffen doing breakdowns. Oh, yeah. It's the fifty-two mold. You, you get the you get the feeling that Keith Giffen figured out this 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 keyhole in the system where he's like, yeah, I'll do breakdowns. He can make a living by that, but it's like it's not very hard for him at all. Yeah, I think he so. works like an hour a day. And he's like, yeah, breakdowns. <laughs> like that's like his his like thing he figured out. <laughs> Well, he deserves it, but uh, we, were doing do- vaudeville. we were doing vaudeville. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that will never not be funny. You people, you don't understand. I don't know how many people listening have been around for a long time, but our first New York Comic Con show, Comic Con. Anyway, <laughs> Keith gave our interview. Keith gave goes, "We were doing vaudeville. We say that at least twice a week." <laughs> <laughs> to this Anytime day. we try to explain anything we're doing, it's we were doing vaudeville. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't good. It wasn't funny. We were doing vaudeville. Uh, and he's getting more and more menchy as he goes on. <laughs> I don't. I don't even want to see the original clip because it'll be that. It'll be boring. Yeah. But anyway, but I, I'm trying. It's not great. But I'm not surprised you like it though. Kyle. I love the concept that Maxwell Lord used his powers to make yep. the world forget he existed, except for the four JLIers. Yeah. And uh, that they're running through their gambit of their old teammates. I really think it's a it's a love letter to the to old book, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. All right. Good. Good for you, then. Uh, go to ifanboy.com slash comics, do your pull list, and write your reviews. You can get on a future show. And if you like iFanboy, uh, if you like what we do, you like this podcast, you like our video show, you like all the writing on the website, there are ways you can help to keep us around. Uh, you might be finding you, – you might wonder, you know, how can I help, you know, help these guys or how can I keep, make sure iFanboy stays around? Um, one of the key things you can do is click on the banners on the website. A lot of uh, those banners are by advertisers who are advertising products they think you're interested in. So just click on them. Help us out. 
out. Um, go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon, which is the easiest way that you can help out iFanboy and get something in return. We all shop on Amazon. You can get your comics, your books, your DVDs, your video games, your clothes, your contraceptives, whatever you need inside oh. Amazon. And if you go to ifanboy.com if you go, I'm not wrong at all. <laughs> if you go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon, buy anything from there or click on the Amazon link to go to Amazon property to help us out in the process. So we really appreciate it. Um, we got t-shirts. Um, we still got some Fury Engine t-shirts left. Uh, you can order them while you can. Um, you can find those at ifanboy.com slash store in the ifanboy store. And that's where you can also sign up for a membership. Uh, you can sign up for $4 a month or $42 a year. And that gets you some stickers, a comic uh, from our collection, some pins, uh, and a little grab bag of fun ifanboy stuff. Um, or if you got a little more money, you can spend $10 a month or 100 bucks a year. And that gets you all that fun stuff plus an exclusive ifanboy t-shirt. And ifanboy members are the ones who are uh, eligible for the awesome giveaways. And we'll be talking later in the show about uh, the uh, winners of the Fandango giveaway and uh, telling you about our next uh, comic book uh, giveaway, which is going to be revealed next week, I think. So um, so go to ifanboy.com slash store, sign up, become a member today. And we thank the members who exist currently. We love you. If you like what we do, it's because we're doing vaudeville. We were doing vaudeville. So we, we were all doing vaudeville. I, did you know I like my Fear Agent shirt? Speaking of vaudeville. <laughs> well, you know what? We normally do this really late, but for once we're actually on time. Woo! It's Hold book on, of the I month time. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually well, Ron was reading the copy. I was fiddling with how I was going to keep it on my I, lap. I, don't have room I can't see the screen if I'm going to look at it. And talk. <laughs> Dude, um, listen, you guys didn't have to bring it home on the bus. That's all I'm saying. There was no I, elegant way to carry this book home on the bus. I had to bring home that Calvin and Hobbes trilogy thing that we bought for Connor on the on the subway. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. It's I still hurt. Yeah. So if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Wednesday Comics, the hardcover edition, which just came out. This is the iFanboy's Book of the Month for June. The glorious Wednesday Comics. I told the story in my review. I had a whole, another book all lined up, and then, then Josh and Ron got their copies, and they immediately said, we have to do something about this book. On We can't not acknowledge this book. It's amazing. And I said, sorry, I've already picked the Book of the Month. And then it arrived, and I wrote them an email that said, fuck, this is the Book of the Month. I mean, this, there's no way to look at this book and not think this is one of the greatest things we've ever seen. It is... It is a love letter to comics. This whole project was a love letter to comics, but this collection in, enhances everything about the original project. Well, I, which- I, think, I think it's so funny because when it when it came out last year and it was coming out like in you know the Wednesday Comics really came out in the oversized newsprint. It was all folded and it was this this, this interesting experiment. And it was weekly and and it just blew our socks off with nearly every issue. And the question at the end of it was, how are they going to collect this? Mm-hmm. Well, what they did was they put it – the original was on newsprint like Ron said, but this is on nice white art paper. And it really – it makes this art look gorgeous. I mean this is – Now, I said this at the time. I said the problem with this is it's fun, it's kitschy and everything, but it's not doing any favors for the art. Yeah. Sure. The, 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 the printing process, that paper, all that stuff, big deal. Like all – you get this and I opened it up and I was just like, damn. Yep. And then you I had say no that with almost every page, and that's the thing about this project is it was full of great writers, but really it was about the art. It, this is, this is a, like a 17-inch high book, and it's got Joe Kubert, and it's got Mike Allred, and it's got Carl Kershaw, and it's got Joe Quijones, and it's got... Paul Pope. Paul Pope, and, it's, and, and, and just a myriad of talent, super talented guys. Amanda Connor, and, and Lee Bermijo, and Ryan Souk, and, and uh, Stelfreeze, and Kyle Baker. And it, it is a gorgeous book. Yeah, I, I tell you something. We 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 are proponents of digital comics. We work for a digital comics company. We're you know, proud. we've all been for it. Uh, uh, right here, this is why digital comics are not going to take over entirely. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the exa- this this is the example of why those two th- two things can exist in a world together. Because yes. because while you know it's going to be great to read comics on an iPad or a device like that or things like that, getting this big hunkin' book on your shelf and pulling it out and showing somebody Car Carcarshal's Flash or Paul Pope that that panel of Adam Adam Strange taking off by Paul Pope, it like mm-hmm. it, it it's awe inspiring, you know, and and it, it just it's. And I think that they, like you said, it's a love letter to comics. They 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 did not do a disservice to this collection. It's like so. It's like it's perfect. It's nearly perfect. And it's everything from the cover to the inside cover to every page on this is purpose and design. Yep. There's not a wasted inch of this book. It is well, the Wonder Woman story. Oh. <laughs> I think. But I said my review. Even the stories that didn't work in the paper, like Wonder Woman and Teen Titans, still look better. Yeah. On yeah. this. And the, there's still inherent problems in Wonder Woman in, in that there's too many panels and they didn't really understand the format. But and the Titans. It still, it still looked better. And Titans, the problem with Titans was the panel-to-panel progression storytelling because the writer, the artist yeah. wasn't a comic artist. And, but then, but then just, this, this just means you get a better look at his design, which is great. Yeah. Um, everything about this was better. Rereading was fantastic. They, they bunched all the stories together so you don't have to read them page by page. You can read them all in one go. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, th- this is the kind of thing where if you didn't, if you didn't buy the issues, get this so you can get the experience of what we got with the issues. If you bought the issues, still get it because it's a better collection. And Lord knows it's a lot easier than pulling out those issues. <laughs> you know, upon rereading it, I'm, I was doubly impressed with the Commandi story. The Commandi story is amazing. Oh, it's great. It it is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, you don't say that often about comic art. Comic art is fantastic. It's. it's I feel it's like cool. I say it a lot. <laughs> No, I mean, like, this is beautiful. There's beauty in these pages. There's and not that, that, was, that was Ryan Sook, right? Yeah. Uh, damn, I wish you'd do an interior book. You'd, like, do it a monthly with interiors again. That would be so great. Oh, man. Here's, the, here's a question. How many, how many pictures of Joe Kubert drawing Sergeant Rocket and the ship beaten, beaten out of him while he sits in a chair can I take? And the answer is, the answer is a lot. Because every time I'm like, oh, that looks great. Oh, it's the same thing. That looks great. That yeah. Nazi's an asshole. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's like, almost like you didn't even need to write a review for this book. I mean, this book is like, it was like you said, it's such a, once you see it, it was like, oh, it's a no-brainer. You know, like, it really was. I opened yeah. the packaging and I looked at it and I went, oh, fuck, it's going to be the book of the month. Yeah, so. it, was, it was just gorgeous. It was gorgeous. And then there's, there's backup material where every artist shows off some of their sketches and their layouts and they see the alternate logos from Ryan Hughes, the designer, and you get a little story from Mark Chiarello. The, the editor really was the, the man behind this whole project and you get to find out how it came to be and just – just a great collection. This is one of the best collections I've I've seen in a long time. That and that's the great thing about it is that all that bonus stuff and and also you go to Amazon, it's thirty bucks. Like yep. this thing is thirty bucks. It's so it's worth so worth so much more than that. So yeah, definitely. And if you have prowlers, <laughs> yeah, you can you can use it as a weapon. One good whack with this thing. <laughs> I, I seriously, so I'm carrying it under my under my arm onto the bus, and I'm as I'm like when I you get on the bus, you make the left turn to go down the aisle. I hit somebody, then I hit somebody again, <laughs> and then I, and then I sat down in the seat. And I'm like, I'm gonna read it. And I pulled it out, and like <laughs> <laughs> now now to be honest, it is difficult to store. Yes, impossible. I have, I have, it, I have it horizontally on top of some books on my shelf. Yeah. Right now. My sh- my shelves are bisected. I, they don't fit that way. Yeah. Oh. I, f- I figured it fits in one of my desk drawers. I have to put it on top of everything. Yeah. And no, I'm not going to keep it on my coffee table. <laughs> I have a four-month-old. How long do you think and that's going to be? And a dog. dog's probably the bigger he problem. get on the coffee table. <laughs> He's very short. He's very well-behaved. What, what do you know when you're not around? Anyway, I'm so always around. Go to ifanboy.com <laughs> and you can read Connor's great review of it. And seriously, whether you're a DC fan or not, this book is worth checking out. So, if you're a comic art fan or just yeah. a comic fan in general, it's fantastic. Yeah. 
All right, on to the emails. Um, our first email comes from Sean, Infectious Funk on iFanboy.com. And Sean uh, asks, a few months ago you got the question, are you more excited about DC or Marvel right now? And the consensus was that DC was creatively on top. At the time I thought so too, but I think the pendulum has swung back to Marvel. DC books seem to have lost their way. Since Sinestro Core War characterization has taken a backseat to nonstop plot in Green Lantern, the Superman family took a big chance by going weekly and engaging in a massive crossover story. But since John's left New Krypton, the books really fell apart. Batman and Robin has been great, along with Red Robin. The return of Bruce Wayne has no stakes. I'll see him in six months. Wake me when it's over. The Flash, for some reason, I just don't care about. About. Marvel, on the other hand, has knocked them out of the park with their cosmic series. Siege was awesome. I'm pumped all around for the line of Avenger books. I even like Second Coming. What do you guys think? Has this pendulum swung and put Marvel back on top? If so, what happened to DC? Why did they drop the ball? Why do we always have to pit these two against each other? Well, why Why is it like, it's over, now what? Like, give yeah. it a minute, dude. Well, but that said, I do agree with them. I think the pendulum has swung and Marvel's more interesting I th- right now. I, I think you need to take a breath. Because, <laughs> because I think the, Marvel I, just got interesting again. It doesn't mean yeah. the other one has to diminish. I just, they're both at a they're both at a, a restart point, sort of. Not restart, but they're both sort of taking a breath and then taking a different step in a direction. Yeah. And we don't know where they're going to end up. Uh, I will tell you that for both of the both of them, I, I've stepped back from both of them considerably, and I'm looking at other things. Yeah. So that's why I'm talking to you about, you know, the the King Tut book because I just I, I feel like there's 19 Avengers books and there's all this other stuff, and I I just like it's one of those times where I'm like, okay, well, let them do their thing for a little while. But I don't know. I don't know if I'd say one's better than the other. But I do think you're right that that Marvel is retrenched a little. Yeah, Mar- Marvel definitely stepped more. Marvel was wavering about a year ago, and they're they're pulling it off with, like I said, I think Second Coming is the best thing in a while. I think they're they're pulling off the Heroic Age launch. Um, all the books have a common feel that that sunnier, you know, like the sun is shining again kind of mo- moment. Um, and it's just like I'm excited about Marvel, whereas for you know like a, you know a year ago I was excited about DC. I think that's just the natural ebb and flow of things. So, mm-hmm. you know, personally, Connor, what do you think? I just think I think Marvel has gotten better. Yeah. I don't think DC's gotten any worse. I just think they're both good now. Yeah, I think that's like, because one gets better doesn't mean the other has to get you know it sh- worse. It sure is a damn good time to be a comic reader, though. And we I- we would disagree. With we, we like Flash. Yeah, I don't think Flash, I, I, yeah, I agree. I, I like Flash. I like Return of Bruce Wayne. I, th- I think it's really good. I like. You know, I mean, I, the, the books he doesn't like, I like. So I don't. I don't think they're bad. Yeah. The thing about Return of Bruce Wayne, he says, Return of Bruce Wayne has no stakes. Yeah, I, you're missing the point. I think because the point is a little about the journey. I think those two issues that we've read so far have been a art explosions, like really, really nice art, and two, you know, imagination, and it's just really. Uh, I don't know. I think the journey on those are really good. Like yeah. you know where it ends up, but that's so not the point. I don't think. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I don't think. I, yeah, I, I mean, if you if you're gonna reading the story to get to the point, you're never gonna like any story because the whole point of the story is what the journey to the end. Totally, totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. And, and the thing is, like, like I said, like I've been on this rant about how there are no surprises left. I'm expecting to be surprised, and it's all about the the journey and how you get there. Um, and, you know, and I think you still want, you know, especially with Green Lantern and what's going on with X Men, you still want some stakes. You still want some, you know, things to matter. But um, it's just a different kind of thing. You got to be, you got to be ready to go with the journey because that's what that's what we're going to be raving about. In you know, when the trades come out, when the collections come out, is how great this story was. So yeah. Um, 
So I don't know. It's it's tough. I mean, I I think I think it's interesting that we um, like I said, we're in a good. T- it's a good time to be a comic fan. It's also interesting. This is one of those we've we've gone. San Diego is like kind of the lynch, you know, like the the keystone of the year of, of the comic year. Like we get to halfway through the year, we assess what's going on, and this has been a this is a rare year as we go as we're getting ready for San Diego coming up that there's no big earth shattering event from either of the two companies. As a person who runs a comic book website, yes, that's true. <laughs> because there ain't shit going on right now. <laughs> a little bit of crickets. <laughs> there's, a, there's a new Chew arc. Right. Thanks. Well, no, I mean, then the heroic age is a big deal for you know for for Marvel, but, but like, it's but that it's tone. not exactly. Right. It's 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 just, it's just the books coming out. Um, so I mean, it'll be really curious to see what gets pu- pushed at San Diego and what the summer looks like. I think wasn't July the big month for Marvel, or is yeah. it June? We're in it now. I think I we're in it now. Yeah. Well, we'll find out. All right, our next email. Let's get let's get this train rolling. Joseph C from Cedar Park, Texas. He's got a lot to say, so let's let's get through this. I don't know how about you, I don't know about you, but I tend to find it a little annoying when one when ongoing comics have a plot that jump into the future. I'm not talking about stories that take place in the future, like Legion of Superheroes or Time Travelers, like Booster Gold or Cable. What I'm referring to is comics that are part of an ongoing series, like Wolverine, Old Man Logan, and the current JSA arc. Now, I'm not saying Old Man Logan was a bad comic, but I felt it would have been better as a standalone title like Batman Dark Knight Returns or Spider-Man Reign, rather than part of the ongoing title, but that's me being nitpicky. JSA, however, is a different story. If you haven't been reading it, long story short, Willingham is the JSA attacked by the Third Reich, a few heroes die, then jumps years into the future where the Reich rules all of America and all heroes have no power and are placed in a concentration camp. My problem with this is that it doesn't matter what Willingham does. He can't kill off anyone he wants and do, do whatever, and it will not matter since they have this as part of the ongoing series. It's all going to go back to normal by some BS deus ex machina, because you can't have this comic killing Alan Scott, Batman, Joker, Blue Beetle, and going on from there. So it just doesn't matter. I get that, but then what's the point of putting it into the print? Again, I feel like it just would have been fared better as a miniseries rather than part of the ongoing storyline. That way Willingham won't have to tie it all up back in the status quo with deus ex machina. Not only that, but if anything, it seems more like just starting time for whatever Robinson's startling... That sentence doesn't make sense. We'll Stalling. skip that one. Stalling. Stalling time for whatever Robinson has planned for JLA and JSA. Anyway, sorry about the rant, but I would like to know if you feel how you feel about arcs and ongoing series that just randomly jump into the future for something that doesn't matter in the long run. Well, again, this is the journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Same s- thing. S- a similar theme. I mean, it's interesting because I do agree with him that I didn't like that Old Man Logan existed in the in the Wolverine story in the Wolverine title. But they fucked that Wolverine title so so like seven different ways from Tuesday. What does it matter? Days. Right, but no, but that because yes. I'm a continuity nerd. But that said. That said, though, I love time travel. I'm a huge. I mean, look, look at the X Men and look at how many times they've gone into into the into the future for a couple of issues and well, things that's... like that. It's it's a the thing is that like uh, like the the Age of Apocalypse diversion type thing. And while that was in the future, it was an alternate timeline, um, and everything went back to normal. Yeah, you're right, but it was so much fun. That's the whole Didn't point. That used right. to be the the norm. Yeah. Yes. I mean, like there weren't spinoff. You know, in the '60s and '70s, there was just the title. Yeah. And so when they did something wacky, it took place in the title. This is no different than ever. You've just gotten conditioned for a different kind of thing. And I think that getting getting stuck on the well, what does it matter? What's going to happen? Like it, who can, like don't make it, it matter, and it won't. Right. Like you know that Batman's not going to die in a story anyway. So you know the good guys are going to win. That's like the deal. And the fact is, even if they did kill somebody, you would say, oh, it doesn't matter either. So stop worrying about that stuff. Like, read the story for its own. You don't actually know what's going to happen, even if you think you do. Yeah, judge, judge the story and the merits. Obviously, Willingham's, I mean, as evidenced by fables, Willingham's a good writer. 
You know, he's not doing it just, you know. Jesus, stop the presses. Uh, well, no, but I mean, no, be honest. I mean, like, he's won awards and stuff. I, can, I mean, all nitpicking and joking aside, I can I, I can acknowledge the guy knows what he's doing. He's sure. not he's not going, shit, 22 pages, fuck. All right, uh, Third Reich Nazis, yeah, we'll do that, yeah. And, like, let me saw That sounds you. awesome, by the yeah, way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I kind of want to go back sounds, and read it. <laughs> it sounds exactly like Tom Strong also. <laughs> but, I mean, like, he's not stalling for something Robinson's doing. And, and admittedly, we've seen that, like, there, there's been some questionable decisions with the Justice League book. and. And, you know, the past, it's been a rocky couple of years, but those are more editorial problems. Like, it's not because Willingham's a bad writer. Like, he has a he has a story to tell. I, think- I just I just don't understand. I just don't understand what people are looking for in their comics. Yeah, I mean, I, are you looking for a good story? Or are you looking or what? Are you just looking to read a continuity Something that matters? Right. Whatever that means. I think that it's really important. And I listen. I've been guilty of this myself. You need to forget what the cover says. You need to forget the title on the cover. You need to forget the number on the cover. And however that's dressed up, fold that freaking cover back and uh, just read the story. I disagree with that, but, but that's me. So. Yeah, but really. I, yeah, no, but it, really. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter what the cover At the says. end of the day, like, think about it like, like a trade paperback. You don't know what it is. It's a story that you can read. Yep. It's all it is. Because none of it matters. Matter. What's matter mean? <laughs> what is matter? All right. So if you've got a question, uh, if you want to question what matter means, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. Um, we talked about the book of the month, so we're going to skip the voicemails this week. But call in to get into next week's show at one eight 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 fanboys It's one 2697 And so as we mentioned earlier, we're going to be doing some giveaways, and we've been giving away uh, f- uh, two free gift cards worth $25 a piece from Fandango to go see – if you want to go see a movie, you get the limited edition Iron Man 2 gift card, which you can keep after you use. So that's pretty cool. Uh, so we want to congratulate our winners, Sam Conti and Joseph Trahan, um, who won the gift cards. So congratulations. You'll be getting those in the mail soon. So uh, go, go have a good time at the movies. And, Membership has its privileges. And stay tuned. Go to ifanboy.com where you can get a glimpse at our next giveaway, which is the Dynamo 5 giveaway, where we're going to be giving away four trade paperbacks and the first issue of the upcoming Dynamo 5 issue, all signed by writer Jay Ferber. We're going to be giving away two sets of that, I believe. And we're going to be giving that away on June 21st on iFanboy Don't Miss. So you got to go listen to the iFanboy Don't Miss podcast to hear if you won. Ron, I would, I would like to win that one. Uh, you, you're not eligible. Ron, I would like to win that one. Oh, all right, we'll talk later. Like I meant to update. I have not seen it yet still. <laughs> Too bad you didn't win the gift card. <laughs> Iron Man 2, week 3. It's just like Nightline when the Iron hostages were. Don't, I don't have $12. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've got lots of other shows besides this one. We have uh, This past week we had a book explode where, where uh, Josh and Jim and Tom Caters talked about Invincible Iron Man and Omnibus Volume 1. So you can look for that back in the feed. I have not listened to it yet, but I'm sure it was funny. You, it wasn't that funny. Okay. <laughs> that's what I'm everyone really, Everyone thinks Tom Caters is always funny. He's actually no, quite Jim, and, Jim and Josh and Tom. They're yeah, all funny guys. Yeah, we yeah, were, we were talking about the book. Yeah, yeah. The end, I got kind of tired. That was a little funny. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get tired. You don't get tired. Yeah. We oh. also have we do special edition podcasts when movies come out. Next week, you can look forward to a Jonah Hex podcast for the Jonah Hex film. And uh, this past week, maybe there was an 18 podcast. Maybe. We don't know at the time of recording if we're going to do one or not, so possibly. We'll see, we'll see what we think of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you can look for that in the feed. If you don't see it, it's because we didn't do it. Yep. Uh, and you realize now if we don't do it, everyone's going to moan that we didn't do it. But still, well, you could do it late. It's not like it matters. Yeah, tr- <laughs> anyway. Sorry, everyone. You shouldn't have heard that. <laughs> these, these mooks don't care. We're doing vaudeville. <laughs> Josh, what else do we do? 
every week. Uh, we do the Don't Miss podcast every Monday. That is a, a show you have to subscribe to separately. So if you haven't been getting it and wonder why, that's why. Search for iFanboy. Don't miss. And what it is a little short show where we talk to a creator about a book that's coming out that Wednesday, something that's either a good jumping on point or something that's new, something you may not have heard of, things like that. Uh, this week, we are very well, likely... Last, last week, we talked to Tim Seeley about Hackslash, which is pretty that's cool. That's true. Yeah. And that worked out well because that's why I bought it. It's like yeah. work for me. Yeah. Uh, this week, I know... I'm pretty sure I'm going to go ahead and say it because I don't make it happen. All right. I'm talking to Jen Van Meter uh, about, uh, I forget the title, a Black Cat number one. The Amazing Spider-Man Presents Black Cat number one. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. I think it's long. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, that Jen Van Meter is Greg Rucka's wife, but she's a writer of her own accomplishments. She did Hopeless Savages. She was, she, yeah, she did. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, cool. So listen to Don't Miss uh, for that. And um, Connor, you have a little special announcement? I have a special announcement. Ron Buckman from Fraser, Michigan. Happy birthday. It's his birthday this week. On, on June 17th, I believe. On a little June 17th. Early, early birthday wish. So, Ron Fraser, happy birthday. Yeah. Hey, do we get paid your, for this? What the hell? <laughs> courtesy of your girlfriend, Kayla. Yes. So, How much did she pay? Oh. You can thank her. <laughs> so, 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 we do this now, huh? We do birthday shows. We do this now. now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> if, you ask, if you ask nice enough. Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. A birthday request in from Ron from Fraser, Michigan. We're going to play Phil Collins. Let's go out to it now. You know, you know, you know, the, you know the sad thing is? Ron from Ron's in high school, he doesn't know what that means. I know, exactly. <laughs> he has no idea what Wait, that joke means. That was like Shaggy. I don't know what it was. It was he did weird. sound like Shaggy. That's why it works. Well, he was Shaggy. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, now I want to listen to the outtake. <laughs> you, goddamn. Every, every, you do this to me every goddamn time. when I'm, I'm the, You come in from an upbeat number, and I got to do it to a fucking dog dying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's better. That or, or drunken Harlan Sanders... Or or angry drunk Orson Welles. Oh no, it's my, like no, no, my, fa- my favorite is um is angry Earl Weaver, which you never heard, Josh. But Connor, you might have heard when Earl yes. Weaver was answering questions on the radio, and he just goes in this tirade of like cursing. It's like that motherfucking cocksucker's gonna go out there and hit 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 the ball out of the park. Like it's. Just- <laughs> I can't believe I just said cocksucker on our podcast. I'm sorry. That <laughs> can't be a first. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cocksucker. man. Well, happy birthday, Ron. We hope you appreciate it. So. From your namesake. Yeah. You can check out iFanboy.com. You can read my Pick of the Week review. And you can read my Book of the Month review because really it's all about me. All the in-depth discussion is happening hey. every day. It's all about me, Josh. All the important news, discussion topics, stuff going on every day. We've been putting up tons of material. Check it out. Lots of, people, lots of things going on. You can check out Word Balloon every week. Word Balloon's there from John Suntress. Great interview show. And you can check out ifmway.com slash about for our social network links. Be our friends on Facebook and uh, Twitter mostly. But any, any of the other ones we'll probably also acknowledge. We also do a video show every Wednesday. This past week we talked about Blackest Night. And this coming week we're talking about Jonah Hex. Woohoo. For the, for the, How timely. For the, there's lots of face flap jokes. <laughs> If you have a face flap joke, you can email us at contact at iFanboy or call in with your face flap. I don't know how he talks. 326-2697. If you have any questions, keep it short. Tell us where you're coming from. Don't blather on forever. Come on. And if you like what we're doing, go to iTunes, write a review, help spread the word, let people know, go to your comic book store, tell them about iFanboy. Let you know more and more people, with the, the, a lot of people are discovering iFanboy for the first time. Go to the website, check it out, show it to your coworker, show it to your mom, whatever. We appreciate everyone who helps spread the word. So uh, it's good to be back. It was a fun, fun show. Um, so that was off fun. next week. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens next week. Who's, who's the pick next week? No, who's off next week? Oh, who's off? Oh, who's on vacation next? 
no more vacations. This is the now begins the long hot road to San Diego, my friends. Uh, and you guys like it when it gets hot, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think Matthew McConaughey should have played Jonah Hex. <laughs> that would have been awesome. I thought I saw I looked at like a thing about Reign of Fire and I was like, oh, <laughs> you know what? You're not wrong. Awesome. Yeah. No, it would have been awesome. Yeah. Not that big head, tiny shoulders isn't good for it. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next week, I'm Ron. You could beat your ass, Josh. I'm Connor. Giant head, maybe. You just whack it into me. <laughs> and then, I would, like then I, would grab, I would grab his tiny shoulders by keeping my hands very close together, and I would shake it back and forth because his head would have a lot of momentum like a giant baby. <laughs> We're up to our long-distance dedication. And this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's what he writes. Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's go start again. From coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. <clears throat> See, when you come out of those up-tempo goddamn numbers, man, it's impossible to make those transitions. And then you got to go into somebody dying. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for, but goddamn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a fucking up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. This a god, last goddamn time, I want somebody to use his fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is, uh, that, that's up-tempo, and I gotta talk about a fucking dog dying.